If you have your Bibles, I'd like to have you turn with me to the book of Exodus. Pastor has been teaching on finding the gospel in Exodus, and right now we're with Moses standing in front of the burning bush. And this is what he says to Moses. He's talking about standing, verse 13 of chapter 3. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? That I should, what should I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Moses presumed that he was supposed to lead the Israelites out of their affliction in Egypt. They were in bondage. And 40 years prior to this, he had tried his best. You ever try something and it really fails? You're embarrassed. You messed up. Moses actually thought he was supposed to lead Israel out of bondage. The Acts, where Stephen is telling or preaching before the Pharisees, he tells them Moses was trained and learned and educated by all of the Egyptian. And he went there with the power of great words. I know later on he's going to talk to God and say, offer up excuses, but Acts turns and tells you that he was not an uneducated man. He was a powerful man. But he failed. And so here it is 40 years later, and he's standing before God, or kneeling, and he says, who should I say goes before them? I've already tried this, God. And God is making a point here. The first time you went, Moses, you went in your education. You went in your talents. You went in your ability. But this time, Moses... You're going to the people in my power and in my name. And there's a world of difference between those two things, guys. When I was young, I can remember I was like 13, and I told my Sunday school teacher, who happened to be the pastor's wife, that I felt called into ministry. And she told her husband, and we had a tall Norwegian pastor. He's a really wonderful man of God. And so when I was 15, he said, Danny, it's time for you to learn to preach. If you're getting called in the ministry, you're going to preach. And so I, I remember the first sermon. And what was really peculiar was a Sunday night, and everybody in the church showed up on that Sunday night. I think they really, really wanted to see a show. <laughs> And I was scared out of my mind. In fact, I can remember standing behind the pulpit and my knees didn't knock together. Nope, they just missed each other entirely. I was shaking so bad. 
And I had run through my notes. My pastor had told me, he gave me three points. And he says, every sermon should have three good points. And I said, well, what happens if I'm done with those three points? And he said, well, if you get through the three points, just do them again. I did them seven times, guys. I was so scared out of my mind. But I also remember going to a Bible camp. And I looked up, it was an old Norwegian Bible camp there on Vashon Island. And there was an old sign up on the wall. And it was a scripture from Zechariah. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, if you're going to the battle, you're not going in with your education, your degree, or your intelligence, all that. If you're going to the battle for the Lord, you're going in his power and in his name, and that makes all the difference in the world. Does that all make sense to you? So let me ask you a question. You see, Moses is going to the Israelites in the name of God, and he's going back there to set them free. They're captives. Do you know what's going on in your world right now? Outside the walls of this church, up and down the streets of Sheridan and Buffalo and Ranchester, there are people in bondage. There are people that are locked in a prison. And God calls each and every one of us in this room to help set them free. You're called into their world, but you're called in his name. You can try to go out there and change them. You can try to do it politically you can try to do it socially I've worked downtown for almost 10 years in Seattle in the worst addiction community you can imagine we had 15,000 homeless guys that's the city of Sheridan in bondage and you don't go into that battlefield with a bunch of textbooks believe it or not it doesn't work you need to go in the power in the name of Jesus Christ to set people free. So when you go into that world, you ever ask yourself, what does your picture of the God that's calling you into that world looks like? In other words, who's the I am that you're presenting to this world? You, individually. You see, there was a Sunday school teacher one Sunday and she got her class together and she asked them, draw a picture. I want you to take the time to write or color a picture of someone you really, really admire. And so the kids got really busy and she went over to this one little boy and Billy, who are you drawing a picture of? I'm drawing a picture of my dad because he taught me to play baseball. That's cool. She wanted this little girl, and Susie's drawing a picture and says, Who are you drawing a picture of, Susie? She says, I'm drawing a picture of my mom. She helps me bake cookies and cool, cool. Goes in the back, and there's one little boy named Tommy, and he's bent over this picture, squirrely, you know, you can barely look. And she goes, Okay, Tommy, who are you drawing a picture of? And Tommy looks up at her and he says, I'm drawing a picture of God. And she turns to him and said, well, Tommy, uh, you know, um, 
nobody's really ever seen God, so we really don't know what he looks like. And the little boy bends back over and he says, they will when I'm finished. There's a lot of biblical truth in that, folks. You're drawing a picture of God with your life. The world looks at you and what picture of I am do they see? Do you ask yourself that? It's not our words we're called to go out there and preach all the time. It's our lives. Who is the I am that we're giving to this world? I can tell you there are nine Hebrew names for the I am. But I'm going to just share a couple of them with you this morning. I'm just going to share five of them. And ask yourself, am I showing this I am? You see, there's a Jehovah God. That means God Almighty. Hebrews knew that. He's the Lord God. But the first one they, I wanted to ask you about, Jehovah Shammah. That's the Hebrew word for the Lord is present. The Lord is here. The Bible teaches us where two or three are gathered together, there is me, my God, in your presence. How do we honor God here this morning? I used to kid some of my fellow preachers. I said, I wonder when I walk into a church where the God switch is. They laugh at me and look and say, Dan, what do you mean? I say, well, sometimes we just come in like we're going to a football game and we switch on a switch and lift up our hands and start worshiping. We're in the presence of a holy God here, folks. And we need to stop for just a minute and realize how powerful and reverent that moment ought to be in our lives. We're in the presence. I, I was a youth director for the state of Wyoming and the Assemblies of God for 10 years. I did youth camps across this state. I've been to probably over 100 youth services, camps, where we've had preachers and altar calls and ministries. But I can tell you there's one service I've been to that I will never, ever, ever forget. It was a Thursday night up there at Devil's Tower. All day we knew something was going to go on in the camp. There was something, just a kind of a buzz. When we went into the sanctuary that night, Instead of the kids talking before they ever got there, there was probably a, two dozen of them just sitting quietly waiting. When my worship team got up from one of the universities, all the instruments and stuff, and I'm sitting next to my speaker on the platform, Steve Chavez from Colorado. And my worship leader gets up before a youth camp of over 200 kids. And the first song he leads, because you know on a youth camp, usually you have 20, 25 minutes of, of worship, singing, clapping. It's teens, high school kids, college kids. But that worship leader started out that night. He is Lord. He is Lord. 
He has risen from the dead and he's Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when he sang that song twice, he turns to me and he says, I don't think I'm supposed to do anything more. And the whole worship team walked off the platform. Five minutes. I looked at Steve and I said, Steve, what are we going to do? I walked up to the podium, just like this podium. And off over the Absarakas, you could hear a big, loud roar. El Shaddai. Jehovah. And I looked at those kids and I said, he's here. And I went over and I sat down next to Steve and I said, I don't think I'm supposed to do anything. 200 kids, high school kids, nothing. Just sitting. And it felt like all of a sudden, a wind. You couldn't hear it. It just moved over. And for two and a half hours, one kid got up from the middle, walked out in the middle, dropped to his knees. And then kids all over the audience began to drop and pray. We didn't say a word. And God moved. The Lord of glory is our presence. We're here this morning. Is this just an event? Or are we before the holy I am? God is present. He said where two or three are gathered together. Does this world understand that God is present with us? Is that the picture we're painting? By our visions, our hats, our clothes, our attitude, our lifting, our worship. There's so many things, folks. Then the I am. He's Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our banner. You know, in baseball, there's only one team that does not allow their name on the back of the uniform. They don't have to. Every time you've ever turned on, if you're a sports fan and you've seen, you see the pinstripes, you know that's the New York Yankees. They have a banner of the team that they represent, and it's an honor to wear the uniform. Guess what? That's what the Lord our banner is. We're on his team. We represent him. When I first went to Vietnam, <laughs> I was 19 years old. They called me Cherry Boy. I don't have to tell you why they called me Cherry Boy. You can probably figure it out. I was a virgin. And there were two guys there in my outfit that loved to make fun of me. They called me every name that you can imagine. They were both from South Carolina. Rough guys. They drank hard, partied hard all the time when we get out of patrol. And they would give me a bad time because I didn't drink. I didn't even shave. I didn't preach at them. 
but they knew I was a Christian. And I kept thinking that I wasn't going to make any difference in their lives. They were just always on my case until just before one of them came back home in country. I remember we were having a going away kind of a get together for somebody and the one that had given me the worst time in my tour came over to me and said hey Hickman because you don't have first names in the service Hickman can I talk to you for a minute he walked me over we were off to the side he pulls a letter out of his pocket and it's a dear John and he said I I know you're the only one I can talk to about this. The Lord, our banner, does this world look at you and know that you have something that they don't have? Jehovah Nissi, the I am, sends us. How about Jehovah Jireh? The Lord will provide. Do the world look at us and see that he is our provider or do we look for everything else to take care of us? I remember when I was first starting to learn about being a Christian, I read about David Wilkerson and Teen Challenge in New York City and how God time after time provided for them. And then I began to see that God always provides no matter what, even when we're pastoring in a small little town in Doug, a little church in Douglas. God always, always provides. But I suppose the time that I really began to understand what Jehovah Jireh is, who he is, was when I read this story, just a simple story about a missionary who was off in the islands in the South Pacific and he was preaching to the natives about Jesus and they were really receptive. They were listening and he was talking about how Jesus came and he loved us and he died for us and then he talked about how they nailed him to the cross when all of a sudden the village chief and all the other villagers began the question was to the missionary, what's a nail? You ever try to explain a nail to somebody? And that missionary couldn't do that, and it was so hard for them to understand, so they just dispersed, and the missionary, very discouraged, very let down, because he knew God was almost breaking through to them. He went over and he sat down, he had lunch, little box lunch, and as he was Taking that box lunch, there was a little can of fruit juice that he had. He drank that can, he set it back down. When he set it back down, he heard a rattle. Well, that's kind of strange. Shook it a little bit, rattle, rattle, rattle. Looked inside, and in that little fruit can was a little miniature nail. And that missionary ran to the chief and he said, this is what a nail is, only bigger. And he showed him. And the chief went to all the, and they showed him how a sharp nail would bust into the fingers. And God used that to save people. And I've always thought, that's just my God. Do you ever wonder how that nail ever got it? That can at that time. We talk about miracles, guys. Sometimes they're right in front of us. 
and we don't even see it, but that's the I am that we serve, that Moses is going to the Israelites with, and we are called into this world to set free also, just like he was with the I am that I am. How about Jehovah Rapha, my healer? God, my healer. Can I tell you something? You live in a broken world. And the rain falls on the just and the unjust. There's no halo over my head. God heals, but God also sometimes says, wait. I remember when my oldest boy, Scott, we were pastoring in Douglas that first year. We lived in a trailer. And one evening, it was, oh, it was early in the morning. There was snow piled up high. It was something below zero, probably 15 below, wind howling. And Scott woke up, Coley and I went into the room, and he's just as bright red as you can be. Fever was 105, 103, burning up. And she was going to go in and call, call the hospital or call the doctor. And I can remember I was sitting the bathroom had a mirror and then just a washer and dryer, a little trailer. And so I'm holding him there. And he's just crying, beat red, howling wind, freezing cold outside. We don't, it, 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 we can't just run him over to the hospital. It'll freeze outside the minute we step out the door. And I remember just standing, sitting there holding him. And I said, in Jesus' name, touch my boy. And he went, ah. I'm serious. He just like shook. He went, ah. Went, five minutes, 98.6. Jesus touched him. He touched him. But I also remember when I was playing basketball in college. I'd hurt my knee and I had to have cortisone shots and they put me on crutches. And I went into a youth service and they all wanted to gather around me and pray for me. And when they were done praying, I hopped out on my crutches still. That was pretty embarrassing. I mean, everybody expect me to throw the crutches away. And there's a contrast there. I don't always know the will of God, but I know he calls me to obey him. And so I will always pray for the sick and I will always anoint them with oil. And I believe in a God who is a healer, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Rophe. Finally, he is the Lord, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. Did you walk into this place with peace in your heart? Jesus says, not as the world gives, give I thee. If I'm a Christian, folks, and I represent Jehovah, and I'm going to this world in the name I am, I cannot go out there and paint a picture of somebody who's always worried about tomorrow, who's always fretting about the economy, who's worried about what Fox Television is telling you or what CNN is telling you or what's going on in Washington or Cheyenne or school districts. I'm aware of the world, folks, but I serve the I am. 
and I have a peace in the battle of the storm this world cannot have or even understand. The greatest illustration of peace of God I've ever heard or known of is a picture I saw one time. And it's a picture of a horrible, horrible storm beyond your imagination. The wind is howling, dark clouds, lightning and thunder. It's horrible out. And there's a big rock formation that you see as this storm is flying over it. But there in the cleft of the rock is a little bird nestled safety away from the storm. The storm's all around it. But God is our rock. That's Jehovah Shalom. So I close this morning with this. Your call to the world outside this place. Do you know what this altar is here? This right here? This is the burning bush. People always think, well, you gotta have sawdust trail or you gotta have whatever. No, you don't. It's a, it, God can use anything. And right here, this is where Moses was, holy ground. This is holy ground right here, folks. And the I am is at this altar. And you are called in his name to go out there and face this world and show them a God who provides, to show them a God who is present, to show him a God of peace. Jehovah, our God, this is your burning bush. Maybe we should ask ourselves this morning a question. God, you called me out there. Who should I say sent me? Who should I tell the guys at my high school? The guys on my job? The guys that are my neighbors? Who should I tell them sent me? I am. I am Jehovah at the altars. <laughs>